Radio as the founders intended. Mojo Five O. You have just entered the Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog of politics with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, author of the book, Progress, Really? U.S. Navy veteran and your host, Peter Seraphine. Welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse, my fellow patriots and freedom fighters. Welcome to this special election episode of the Liberty Lighthouse. Since it is October 17th and we vote for our new president in just a smidge over two weeks, I thought maybe I should start covering election stuff. So uh, I reached out and I got a presidential candidate to be our guest, Don Blankenship, presidential candidate for the Constitution Party is here in the Liberty Lighthouse with us. So rather than me just sitting here yapping about what I plan to talk about, why don't we just jump right in and get to Don Blankenship. Welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse. With your Liberty Lighthouse keeper. Your beacon of common sense. Your wiki, if you will. Peter Seraphine. We urge you to join the conversation by calling 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. And sign up to be a member at liberty-lighthouse.com. That's right. Thank you very much. Uh, Call or text the 64-MY-RIGHTS phone number. The Liberty Lighthouse loves your questions, comments, and concerns. And on the line with us, as promised, Don Blankenship, Constitution Party nominee for uh, President of the United States. Welcome to the show, Don. Uh, thank you. Glad to be here. Or Actually, I feel odd calling you Don. I, I'm just an average guy doing a radio show. I feel like I should be calling you Mr. Blankenship. Uh, Don's fine. Peter's fine. I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> I'm sure. I was a sailor, so I, I definitely called a lot worse. <laughs> uh, you'd say talk like a sailor on, the, on, this, on this network or on your program, though. But we only have two rules on the Mojo Five O radio network as far as what is, can or cannot be said. And those two rules are pretty simple. Uh, don't use the F word and uh, don't commit blasphemy. Other than that, mm. say what you want. Sounds good. Okay. So you are the Constitution Party uh, nominee for President of the United States. The Constitution Party actually... Uh, the the party I most closely align with, according to iSideWith.com, if you... If you've ever used the site, it's pretty cool. It lines you up and tells you how much of your philosophy matches with each of the party philosophies. And I'm a, like an 86% match to the Constitution Party and then like 83% to Libertarians. And then it drops significantly from there. Um, so welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here just because of that fact that you most closely align. Um Questions I have for all of my candidates. Uh, the the first one is: Is there a particular issue that you do not believe is part of the national conversation that really should be? Well, I think that there's not enough conversation about corruption, uh, what I call legalized corruption, where uh, Congress has passed laws that allow things to go on that violate the Constitution. You know, you see a lot of stuff on. Google and Google and Facebook, where the 
they're being maligned now because they're censoring uh, uh, voices, and uh, certainly that violates the First Amendment. And they've done a whole host of other things of that nature that violate the Constitution as if it weren't even there. I would agree. Do you have any uh, uh, an example that you can give of uh, legalized corruption within the government itself? Well, the, the settlement of sexual harassment cases behind closed doors, uh, they settle one every few months, it seems like, uh, for the last 20 years, uh, shouldn't be the case. Uh, but the one that most affects the American public that the American public hasn't paid attention to is what they call Hill Committees. Basically, a Hill Committee is a political action committee that's run by the government. Uh, the Republicans and the Democrats have uh, PACs slash Hill Committees in this for elect and re-electing Republican and Democratic senators and then for re-electing Republican and Democratic House members. So you've got legislators who can, behind closed doors, trade off uh, legislation favors or bringing something to the floor or not bringing it to the floor and pick up a few million dollars. And these, uh, these Hill committees pick up hundreds of millions of dollars, which is one of the reasons that we need term limits. But if we're not going to get term limits, we at least need to stop allowing legislators to trade legislation for money. Right. And it's, it's, I personally think it's, it's terrible that a, a freshman member of Congress arrives on the Hill and, and the first thing they're told is, is what their fundraising goal is for the next, the, the next campaign. Um, not how to pass a bill, not how to, you know, join committees or anything like that. It's, you know, this is how much money you have to make. Yeah, and what they also do is, uh, you know, the reason that uh, in West Virginia, West Virginians are familiar with the fact that when Trump was making a State of the Union speech, Joe Manchin stood up and applauded when he said something positive about the coal business, and Schumer glanced at him, and Manchin sat back down. And most people don't understand why Lance from Schumer will sit a uh, Democratic senator down or a glance from McConnell will sit down a Republican senator, and that is that absent these Hill committees spending millions of dollars to reelect them, they can't get reelected. So that's the reason you see far more straight ticket voting in the Senate in the House on legislation is because the uh, the Schumers, the Pelosi's, the McConnell's, uh, uh, McCarthy's, they have far more power than they should have because they control the money. You mean the ones that haven't done anything other than politics for the majority of their adult lives? Correct. Okay, well, you mentioned coal, and you were a coal man for quite a while. Um, the, I want to talk about the environment just a little tiny bit. The Constitution Party platform is pretty clear that, yes, we have to be good stewards to our environment. However, that's not necessarily the role of government. So what's your personal stance on being good stewards to our planet? Well, first of all, what we have done uh, since the 1990 Clean Air Act uh, took effect 30 years ago is, is assisted pollution. So we've actually increased pollution around the world while we led the American public to believe they should sacrifice their jobs and their quality of life for the environment. Uh, it's a little bit difficult for people to grab real quick unless you're familiar, but we spent, as a 
as a country and as U.S. citizens, billions of dollars ridding our power plants that used coal of arsenic, mercury, sulfur, NOx, and, and et cetera, emissions. And then in combination with excessive regulations toward uh, carbon emissions and the trade policy, we exported all the manufacturing and electric demand from <coughs> from our manufacturing uh, operations to Asia, primarily to China, where they have no control over real pollutants like SOx, NOx, mercury, and arsenic, and also have no control over carbon emissions. So what we saw was a 400% increase in Chinese coal production and, and use while we were cutting our production by 30%. So basically, uh, worldwide coal production went up 60 or 70%, and uh, we declared victory that we were cleaning up the world's environment. So the numbers don't work, and it's just ridiculous. It's a, that Whether or not there's climate change, uh, I don't know, but I know that what we've done is a hoax to transfer American jobs to other countries. Right. We've cleaned up our air here in the United States, but the air in, in all of these other countries is getting terribly worse. But So we look like the good guys, but all we've really done is just shifted the, the weight of the of the problem somewhere else. And we've actually made it worse because we've uh, we've shifted the CO2 emissions, but uh, more importantly, we've uh, uh, increased the true pollutants. And uh, and basically, I, because of that, I say that EPA stands for Equal Poverty for All rather than Environmental Protection Agency because their actions have actually increased worldwide pollution. <laughs> it's not the first time I've heard that, but I, I still laugh every time I hear that. Um all right. So in the same line, like the the uh, the Constitution Party stance, I have to say, I, I'm getting all of this, you know, the Constitution Party stance information from the Constitution Party platform, which is only 14 pages long, unlike, you know, the Democrat or Republican platforms, which are typically thousands of pages long. The Constitution Party platform is very clear and very distinct and very little gray area anywhere in the thing. And I applaud you and the party for, for being so brave as to put something up with, with so, such little gray area in it. Um, but in that, I want to talk about, uh, let's jump to the Second Amendment. The party stance on the Second Amendment is that, you know, well, the people have the right to bear, keep and bear arms, and that most, if not all, federal firearm regulation should be repealed. Do you agree with the party stance? Yes, I fully agree with uh, the fact that the Second Amendment needs to be protected uh, and not because of uh, uh, we need hunting weapons, but because we may need weapons to defend ourselves if they don't start enforcing the law in Seattle and Portland and other places. And it's just, uh, it's ridiculous to spend time trying to take away people's rights while at the same time they're bankrupting the country and, and as we said earlier, being corrupt. I mean, Leave our rights along and do the job is the message. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing the the idea of an assault weapon is not something that's within your vocabulary. No, I, I think uh, you know assault weapons. It depends on whether you're using them to protect yourself or whether you're using them to assault someone. And I don't think that very many Americans want to assault anybody. They just want to be able to protect their homes and protect themselves from whatever happens. I mean, it's, uh, 
it's uh, again it's a misplaced focus a misplaced priority they need to to do the job they were sent up there to do and that job does not include trying to infringe on american human rights or god-given rights okay well that actually looks like a great place to mention one of the sponsors of mojo 50 radio the uscca the united states concealed carry association helps you as an individual not only protect your second amendment right but also protect you in the case that you have to use your second amendment right they offer training and support both before and after that catastrophic event that made you pull the trigger so please check out uscca.com um sorry about that you know got to pay the bills uh, no problem <laughs> you mentioned the debt the the national debt which as of this morning was 27 trillion dollars how could you as a president tackle a 27 trillion dollar debt well by spending uh, less than you take in <laughs> that's the, the core purpose you know uh, as a certified public accountant or a bean counter, uh, I know that you basically have to look at how much money you're going to take in and take a blank sheet of paper and determine what you can then afford. And uh, there's a lot of things we can't afford that people would be surprised. We can't afford to be uh, policing the world. Uh, we can't afford to spend a billion dollars a year on, on uh, illegal immigrants and uh, supporting them. Uh, there's so many things like the Department of Energy, which, uh, whatever it was, I guess, uh, in Carter's time, which would have been, what, 40 years ago, uh, you know, he uh, he established the Department of Energy because the Iran hostage crisis stirred the public up, and and now we, and we've made it all those years without a Department of Energy, and now I think it's got 30-some thousand people working in it. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, in, in the United States total, I think there's 22 million people work for government in one form or another. Uh, there's a lot of money could be saved with just common sense. Common sense and government don't generally go well together. No, no kind of sense in government goes together except the one that's spelled different. They, they know a lot about C-E-N-T-S and they take a lot of it from us and give us very little for it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love how open and just blunt these answers are. This is wonderful. Okay, well, so... It's led, led, to, led to a lot of uh, efforts to stop me from talking. In fact, uh, the public may notice that I haven't been mentioned by the media since March 15, 2019, because uh, I have a lawsuit for defamation, and uh, it's moving along quite well in the court system. And going back to rights, most people don't know that the Supreme Court ruling, which is titled uh, New York Times versus Sullivan, basically did away with the free speech rights of people like myself. So there's, and the free speech right may be the most important one to defending all the other rights we have. Absolutely. I have often said here in the Liberty Lighthouse that it is the First Amendment that makes us Americans, and it is the Second Amendment that keeps us Americans. Yeah, what they've done is they've uh, passed, uh, or the Supreme Court ruled in 1964, uh, following the Martin Luther King uh, uh, march, that uh, the media can misreport, inaccurately report uh, uh, regarding public figures. And I don't know what the court intended in 1964, but they've now 
uh, said that public figures don't include, doesn't just include elected officials to the public positions, but people who are well known to the public like myself. And so they can defame you in order to discredit your free speech and make it useless. And that's what they've done to me. And uh, so far, uh, we've had a federal judge rule that they did defame me. And we are hopeful that my litigation efforts will uh, reverse uh, the current common law of York Times versus Sullivan. Good. Well, while we're on that whole defamation and, and, and just the idea of censorship and shutting people up, I'm sure that you're aware of the horrible Twitter scandal that that has happened in the last few days when all that Hunter Biden email stuff came out and then Twitter blocked the reports from being shown. And now they're like reversing some of their decisions. So let's talk a little bit about our social media giants. Currently, they are protected as curators of information and not publishers of content. But the more that they use this censorship or whatever other word you want to use for it, the more they put their stamp on what is or is not on their site, the more they act like publishers. Is it time that they lose that that protection of, of being just a curator of information? I'll answer that sort of in a backward way. No, it's not time. It's well past time. They should never have had that right. You know, Washington, which D.C. stands for the District of Corruption, they have a, a way to make things complicated so people get confused, and uh, particularly people that are busy on you know, the day-to-day life. But uh, having Google or Facebook be able to prevent you from saying something is like in the days when the telephone was coming into vogue, having uh, the telephone companies tell you what you could or could not say on the telephone. Google and Facebook are no different than uh, than a telephone and a telephone company that uh, has the ability to allow people to communicate and for them to decide what is and is not acceptable communication outside of the same things that control speech on your network, like profanity and blasphemy. There's really no no purpose in them being able to pick and choose what should and shouldn't be communicated on their platforms. Nice. That's that's well put. Um, I think the idea initially was that that these social media giants were just going to be curators, and they were just going to you know house the information, and we the people were going to put on these sites whatever we wanted to put on the sites, and Twitter and Facebook would have nothing to do with it other than holding it. But they've long since um, expanded their. Uh, terms of service and and their their uh, rules about what can and can't be on the sites and and they've they've definitely crossed the line from curators into into the world of publishing and right. yeah i agree that's what what happens is when you they create a crisis you know or maybe they just take advantage of a crisis you know ron emmanuel said never fail to take advantage of a, of a crisis uh, and further your agenda and that's what they did. They used Russian interference, uh, you know, in the election as reason to begin to censor. And, you know, of course, unfortunately, they used 9-11 to uh, get in a situation where they can monitor your phone calls or listen in as if you're a 
foreign spy or something, but every time there's a crisis, we lose some of our rights because of the uh, euphoria or the emotions that surround the event or surround some some story. But the national media was complaining about Russian interference in election while they were defaming me on national television seven days prior to an election in order to prevent me from winning the Senate seat. So they they uh, talk out of both sides of their mouth, so to speak. Yeah, they they definitely do. I would agree. Okay, so let's uh, let's stay there for a second. You said about you you had previously run for Senate. Uh, you had did not win that that race, and now you're running for president. Have you ever held a, an elected office before? No, I've caused a lot of other people to hold them, but I've never held one. I uh, I was instrumental in uh, electing a, the first Republican to the West Virginia. Supreme Court in 80 years in 2004, and I essentially started the movement and funded the movement to convert West Virginia from Democrat to Republican. So I've been in and around uh, politics quite a bit since 2004. Uh, when I ran for U.S. Senate, you know, they thought I didn't have a chance at all because I was uh, uh, still tied to a halfway house, and uh, they uh, they were shocked when I took the lead, so they panicked and. Uh, went, uh, if you will, they built a bridge too far to beat me, and that's what the nucleus of a defamation suit is. Um, halfway House, was. are, are you a recovering addict? <laughs> no, if I was a recovering addict, I would have got less time in prison. There's a long story there, but <laughs> you get less time. If you're, if you're uneducated or you're an addict, you can get four months off, you know, per year. But if you, uh, if you don't have any problems or you're there for a misdemeanor, you can, uh, you can stay the whole time. But, uh, actually there's only been one guy in the history of the United States win a congressional seat from, uh, while uh, incarcerated by the government, and it was a guy named Matthew Lyon 128 years ago, I guess 228 years ago, uh, and he uh, he won a congressional seat, I believe, in Vermont from uh, from prison. But I had a U.S. Senate seat won from a halfway house, and uh, uh, Mitch McConnell and others decided that they didn't want me to win, so they just defamed me. So it was uh, just blatantly and right out open in public and now nobody pays any attention to it it's really a remarkable story i was actually planning on avoiding this story but since it has come up we have uh oh, a li- about two minutes left in this first segment of the show if you would want to give a two-minute synopsis of of the reason that you were in a, ta- a halfway house for anybody who doesn't know the story well, the reason I was there was to stop my free speech. What what happened is the government passed a law in 2009 that for the first time allowed them not just to regulate coal mines, but also to impose their own ventilation plan on coal mines. And because I was, uh, if you will, the most conservative non-union uh, leader in the coal industry, uh, they chose uh, some of the mines that I was overseeing as the president of Massey Coal to to be the first that they would come in and and force airflow changes. And so they came in and forced changes that cut that particular mine, UBB's airflow, in half. The mine blew up a few days later, and, of course, they blamed it on the coal miners not doing their jobs. And then uh, I issued a documentary that explained it actually blew up because the government cut the air in half despite the men begging them not to. And so they charged me with uh, SEC filing 
uh, errors or misstatements, which carried 30 years in prison. And uh, they tried me for it and lost. But they put me in prison for a misdemeanor, which basically was that the coal miners at the mine would tell each other that the inspectors had arrived. And that was considered a safety practice for the entire coal industry's life because any anybody, inspector, government official, customer, whoever that's at a coal mine, everybody needs to know about it so they won't uh, run over them or something. So anyway, they got me on a misdemeanor, and then they sent me to a prison that uh, housed only felons. And that's one of the reasons I'm so motivated to correct this free speech issue. Understood. That's the end of the first segment. We'll be back in about two minutes. You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse. Join the conversation now. Just call 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo Five O. What do you need? I mean, really need to protect yourself and your family. A home security system? A big scary dog? A gun? If you're committed to protecting your family, and we know you are, even a reliable firearm falls short of what you need. To keep your loved ones safe today, tomorrow, and every day, you need access to life-saving resources that will help you survive any threat and the legal battle that comes after. That's why the USCCA gives law-abiding people like you the self-defense training, knowledge, and legal protection they need to help ensure the safety of their family and future. Discover what the United States Concealed Carry Association can do for you and your family by visiting uscca.com slash mojo Are you fed up with progressive society? I'm Peter Serafine, and my frustration led me to write a short book titled Progress, Really? Progress, Really? is about the past, current, and future state of American culture, government, and social standing. I urge every liberty-loving American to visit my website, seraphine.com, and order a copy. Give Progress, Really? a quick read and some serious thought. That was seraphine.com, S-E-R-E-F-I-N-E.com. Order your copy today. The most powerful gathering of freedom fundamentalists since Philadelphia in 1776. Mojo Five O. You are listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you very much for sticking around through the break. Uh, if you're just joining us, we have Don Blankenship, Constitution Party candidate for President of the United States, on the line with us. Uh, when we ended the last break, Don was was uh, gave us a, a quick synopsis of uh, well basically of his book um obama's greatest cover-up yes okay i couldn't remember if cover-up was the right word there um so if you get a chance you should read obama's greatest cover-up by don blankenship uh his his campaign is kind enough he's going to send me a copy and i will be reading it very shortly um I, I really, I don't know where to go here. There's so much in your party platform that is so cut and dry. There, there really aren't any questions to ask about it. They're just so cut and dry. Um, one of the things I do have that I want to talk about is uh, the, your idea of the fair tax, uh, House Resolution 25 in the current Congress. Are you familiar with the, the idea of fair tax? 
Yeah, I know that we have an unfair tax, and uh, <laughs> you know we. Uh, it's it's really weird, you know. I don't remember the exact numbers, but one percent pays thirty or forty percent. You know, one percent top wage earners pay thirty or forty percent, and ten percent pay ninety percent or something like that. But it's it's just ridiculous how uh, they're able to make it sound like you know people that do well don't pay their fair taxes. Although I do believe that. You know, there are loopholes that need to be closed. Absolutely. Well, the fair tax um, platform, the fair tax movement, is a, is a movement and, and a House resolution to, to abolish the IRS, to abolish income tax, and replace it with a, a nationwide sales tax on, good, uh, on new goods and services only. Yeah, I uh, have slightly different opinion. You know, we didn't have a uh, income tax until 1913, I believe it was. It was. And we funded the government with essentially tariffs. And uh, while it would probably be hard to raise 4 or $5 trillion on tariffs, uh, tariffs is the place that you get multiple benefits. You know, most people haven't thought it through, but when you buy something at Walmart that came from China, you're not funding any roads, you're not funding any Medicare or Medicaid or national defense or anything. You're actually funding China's national defense and a Chinese military that's growing extremely rapidly. So the idea that we shouldn't tax things that uh, like uh, incoming products is a, is a mistaken ideal that caught on because it gave major multinational corporations uh, a huge market and also gave them unpaid labor. And uh, as a result, you know, people complain about the gap between Wall Street and Main Street and so forth and so on. But that gap is a symptom of the policies on trade and the policies on regulations and the policy on illegal immigration and the whole thing. It's not a it's not something you fix. It's a symptom. So you've got to fix the disease and the diseases are improper taxation and improper trade policy and so forth. So. Yeah, they should do away with the income tax. I'm not sure we could do it immediately because we we got to get the balance, the the budget under control before we uh, do too much more cutting. Well, you you just said you know you're not sure if we could raise four or five trillion dollars in tariffs. Um, we don't really need to raise four or five trillion dollars if we stop spending four or five trillion dollars a year. Well, the problem is that we do need this year because we're probably going to spend twelve trillion. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, this year's the uh, exception. <laughs> we hope so. Yeah, uh, you know, once it's sort of contagious. Wasting money is contagious, and uh, I think that's part of the problem. But yeah, you know, we're we're normally about a trillion short. Uh, but you know, let me give you an interesting thing. I think that uh, not that it's directly related to your question, but I think it's important for Americans to understand. The total price or total amount that we have paid for all China imports, every television or every uh, thing you've bought at Walmart or wherever you've bought it, the full cost that we've paid for that product is less than COVID-19 is going to cost us. So, you know, we're going to spend probably seven, eight, ten trillion dollars because we imported the virus. And had we listened to George Washington and not had these kind of alliances with these countries, perhaps we wouldn't have the virus. So uh, it's interesting to me that uh, that you know we 
we don't really look at the principles that we're violating, whether it be the Constitution or the guidance the founders gave us, and look at how damaging our failure to follow their lead has uh, has been to us. I, I agree. That's what I like most Which, about the Constitution Party is the fact that every item in their party platform is tied directly to some point of the Constitution. Well, most of the problems in the United States are the failure to follow the Constitution. The reason we have two million people in prison is we violate the Fifth and Sixth Amendment or the, the amendments that guarantee us a fair trial. Or the reason that we have violence uh, and so forth is because the government doesn't enforce the laws. They don't understand that anytime you put the word illegal in front of something, immigration or anything else, it means it needs to be prevented from happening. We just talked about free speech. Uh, I don't, I, you know, it's incredible to me how simple it is. That's the reason I say that the only platform out there which uh, will return America to its greatness is the Constitution Party platform. Okay. I, I, I certainly like it. I, I don't know if it's the only one that will work, but it's the one that makes the most sense to me. Um, so well, the one said... I've heard from one I've heard from Biden and from uh, from the Socialist Party, the Green Party, and so forth. I tell you, that won't work. No, it's been tried all over the world. Libertarian Party. I don't know of any country in the world that uh, has successfully existed and prospered under the Libertarian Party type platform either. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's definitely the most the most appealing platform of any party I've seen. Like I said, I love the fact that every part of it ties back directly to the constitution and even quotes the constitution and cites where these things came from. Um, yeah, I, if you I carry that just one, if you carry that just one step further is the constitution that from 1780, whatever it was to now that made us great. So the constitution made us great. So it's the only proven platform that will return America to greatness. I agree. You you can't see me because you know we're on telephone lines, not on a, on a video conference. But behind me here in my stu- studio is a a full size copy of the the Declaration of Independence, the four page version of the U.S. Constitution, and the uh, original handwritten one page Bill of Rights. So I mean, these are very important things to me. Yeah, well, they're important and they're being, uh, you know, nobody's strengthened them. Uh, you know, if you look at what this government has done the last hundred years, it hasn't made those rats stronger. It's made them weaker. Absolutely. So you had mentioned about the word illegal and how you put the word illegal in front of anything and then it becomes something that has to be punished. And that's how we get 22 million people in jail. Um, there, there are two ways to go with this is, is for one... I, illegal immigration into our country and for two the uh just the idea of, of prison reform or or social or uh justice reform or like what how do we handle the 22 million people in jail let's start with illegal Im- immigration what what is both the party and your personal uh view the party on? is probably a little the party is probably a little more strict than i am i don't know the exact words they use but you know when uh I'm in between Biden and Trump on that issue, and that's off. That's seldom the case. I'm usually to the right of both of them, but I don't believe that we can deport so-called dreamers, people that came here as children and have never known any other language or any other system or have no real home. 
uh, and that are now, in many cases, productive members of our society. I think the idea that we're going to deport those people is a losing idea because we'll never get agreement uh, from those that believe we should have open borders. Uh, but we certainly need to close the borders, and we need to deport uh, anyone that is uh, illegal, uh, particularly those that are caught with a crime or even that are caught you know, with a traffic ticket. And we need to establish principles of what we, who we are going to allow to come into the country. I, I, I state the analogy that we're like a, our country is like a company that doesn't interview anyone, doesn't uh, check their credentials, doesn't uh, ask for a resume, doesn't do anything. They just uh, let anybody come into the company and start working that wants to, and we don't know anything about them. The company wouldn't last long, and neither is the country going to last long like that. Party, your your platform, your view is is actually pretty close to your party platform on it. I, I was skimming it as you were speaking, uh, and there's a lot in there about the financial drain that immigration places illegal immigration places on our country, and uh, you know yeah. you have to uh, have most have of the the, 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 you know, the point I like to make about it, Peter, is it's the Democratic Party platform is exactly. In, this, in regard to illegal immigration is exactly contrary to the interest of poor Americans and Americans that work for minimum wages. So their platform is exactly the opposite of what it should be, where they truly interested in helping the poor people do better. And uh, the shame of that is that, you know, Nancy Pelosi's uh, friends in California, you know, they love to get their uh, tasks done, whether it's cut the grass or wash the cars or whatever with illegal labor, but it takes away from uh, the minimum wage and from the opportunity of the poor people. I, I agree. So the, the second half of that was, uh, with the word illegal, was was, uh, was justice reform or police reform or, or criminal justice reform, or what do we do with 22 million people in jail? Well, it's, it's not 22. 22 million people are on the payroll. They probably, on the government payroll, they might should be. A lot of them probably should be in jail, but it's just over 2 million I, that are in Wait a minute. I'm a mailman. I'm on the government be ca payroll. Be careful there. <laughs> <laughs> just over 2 million are in jail. But, you know, a, a lot of times they, they talk about criminal justice reform, and then they go out and do a little bit of prison reform and call it criminal justice reform. But to help, I don't want to get too detailed, but to help people understand what really needs to be done is the, the law that the criminal trials are held under is essentially common law and without common sense. And so the judges have tremendous latitude. Even the definition of reasonable doubt is not objective. It is a definition that a judge can give, and it varies sometimes from court to court. And uh, they can give a definition that is favorable to the defendant or a definition that's unfavorable to the defendant, i.e. the accused. Uh, one of the tricks they pull is they, will, uh, put, they won't put their case on during direct examination, which is when the government is uh, questioning witnesses on the stand at the beginning of on the trial, and then you get to cross-examine them. But they'll wait, and they do what's called redirect, and they put a big part of their case on during redirect. And so you don't get a chance to rebut what they put on when they take their second chance at that witness. And so you 
you can be convicted of things that the witness said that you never got to explain were incorrect. But they have these words called, or these cases called Brady and Giglio and, and uh, a legislation called Jinx, which guarantees that since you don't have an FBI at home and the FBI is going to investigate some criminal act, uh, that the FBI has to tell you everything that they discover that's favorable to you. But they don't give you that information. And then the, the judge can rule that even though they admit they didn't give you that information, that you would have been convicted anyway. So those are subjective judgments that the judge can make, whether the FBI violating or the DOJ violating your rights would have changed the outcome of the trial. That needs to be done away with. If they don't provide you that information, game's over. You should get a new trial. If uh, if they introduce new exhibits on redirect, it should automatically trigger trigger a recross. But there's dozens of uh, specific things that could be objectified, and that's what the judicial committee and Congress should do. They should look at cases every year and objectify subjective decisions that judges and prosecutors who are seeking to just send people to prison can be uh, held responsible for. Okay. That... But they never talk about that. When they talk yeah. about criminal justice, it's a political discussion. It's not a real change discussion. I agree. What 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 you just said was probably the most uh, uh, the common sense thing I've, I've heard in, in the idea of criminal justice reform. Well, to give you an idea, I've got a misdemeanor conviction, but I, because of the principle, I've been fighting that conviction now for, uh, I guess, six years. And uh, they are so bothered by my fighting it that they have moved the, the, my case three different times to three different DOJ districts when one DOJ would indicate, uh, one prosecutor's office would indicate they were going to join in the motion to void the conviction. They move it to another district. And, you know, they shouldn't be allowed to move your case after you fought and fought and fought. And they move it again. It takes you another six months. And it's it's a game to them. It's not a, a matter. They're seeking justice. They're trying to prove they can put you in prison if they want to. Right. They even, there's even a joke that's commonplace in the, in the uh, legal world that they can indict a ham sandwich. And you go back to your Second and First Amendment rights when they indict you which they can do with no one present representing you, they can then take your guns, they can search your house, they can gag your free speech. So if they want to shut you up and you're a public figure that's explaining that they blew up a coal mine, they will gag you, they will take your guns, they will search your house, they will harass you, they'll do everything they can to stop you. Well, that brings up another sponsor here, sponsor of the Liberty Lighthouse, Hunter's Warehouse. Go to hunterswarehouse.net to uh, fulfill all of your Second Amendment needs. Tom at the Hunter's Warehouse has thousands of fire or firearms and truckloads, and I mean truckloads of ammunition and stock. Didn't run out during any of this coronavirus, Wuhan flu, and lockdown stuff. Only place I could find ammo during this crisis. So uh, go to hunterswarehouse.net and tell them Peter from Liberty Lighthouse sent you. Uh, I am really bad at fitting those in in a way that doesn't feel awkward i'm sorry about that uh, do you, 
I'd like to hear your opinion about the uh, Supreme Court nomination process going right now. Obviously, you know, the, the left side of the political argue aisle screaming that, no, it's an election year, you shouldn't be able to do this, and the right side of the political aisle going, but even after the election, I'm still president for like two and a half more months. So I, what's, how do you feel about the, the vacancy on the Supreme Court currently? Well, the simple thing is, goes, uh, and that's the reason that uh, I'm in the Constitution Party and the reason that we advocate the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't say the successor president and the successor senator fill a Supreme Court uh, vacancy. It says that the president and the Senate, uh, you know, nominate and confirm uh, a person to fill a Supreme Court vacancy. So, what the Republicans are doing is exactly what they're entitled to do. Now, somebody will say, well, they didn't do that, you know, when uh, uh, Gardner, Garland or whatever was nominated by Obama. But the difference was that the Senate was not controlled by the same party. Now, I do believe McConnell, who often does things that he shouldn't do, should have allowed it to come to a vote. I think the atrocity is that McConnell has established a lot of presidents' precedents that are going to annoy lots of people for lots of years, one of them being that he wouldn't bring it to a vote. So that they should have brought it to a vote and defeated it, and then there wouldn't be any question of what was done uh, in the past. But what's being done now is entirely proper. Yeah, I, Honestly, I, I had to say, even back I was not a fan of President Obama, but even back then, I was saying, you know, do your job, Mitch. You you got to put this up there. You you it, it's it's your you job. You put it to up to this. a vote, and you oppose it and vote against it. Right. And uh, if you if you if the whole Senate see that goes back to what I said about Hill committees, the uh, the Republicans members of the Senate at that time who felt that that shouldn't be the course of taking, not to even bring it up for a vote, they're afraid to say anything because they're going to get defeated next time because McConnell's going to give the money to somebody else. And uh, it's, uh, it's really a shame because you, you essentially have uh, uh, almost dictatorships in both the Senate and the House. You right. don't get a fair vote. Well, we have, we're, we're coming down to like eight or nine minutes left in the show. And there are still a couple of things about the Constitution Party that really, honestly, excite me as ideas. And I'm not sure that we're going to have time to get to them all. So I'm going to try to consolidate a couple of them. Um, I did an hour-long show on uh, the Department of Education and how I feel it is an unconstitutional department and should go away. Um, that is part of the Constitution Party platform is to end the Department of Education and that allows states and local governments to uh, handle education. Part of the uh, party platform is also to end the Federal Reserve, uh, which Again, I, I have argued for that forever. I, I think we need to go back to something akin to a gold standard, something where our money has an intrinsic value, not some made-up value that's manipulated by interest rates and such things. So, the, I mean, those are two significant portions of, of the federal government that the Constitution Party wants to just abolish. And how would you as president go about either of those things? Well, abolishing the Department of Education, and in my mind, the Department of Energy, is not difficult. 
we we probably we probably need a department of diversity more than we need either one of those departments. Uh, so basically, you you've got to look at how you're going to do the education. You obviously need to return it to the states and the counties, and it needs to be back more close to where it was before the established Department of Education than where it is now. The details would, you know, it would require that I get a lot of time with educators and people who are actually frustrated by the current education results, which are horrible. And of course, so is Common Core Math. Common Core Math is just ridiculous. But as to the Federal Reserve and and currency and so forth, it's very complicated. And getting back to the gold standard from where we are now would be extremely difficult. It is going to become, in my opinion, extremely critical to do something. Uh, but I, you know, I don't like saying things that I don't know to be true or that it, that aren't accurate. So I'm I'm a little bit uncertain as to exactly what we should do. But I do believe, oddly enough, that the electric car is going to change uh, worldwide currency behavior. And uh, that we need to be very focused on that issue and, and try to make sure that when petrodollars aren't so important and all the uh, energy and commodities aren't being traded in U.S. dollars, that we are prepared for the impact of that. Hmm. The electric car could be the end of the dollar as we know it. That is interesting. And, and I, I didn't could understand. cause a lot of war, too, because uh, places like Kuwait and Iran, Iraq, Venezuela, they... You know, everybody thought in uh, in Venezuela that Chavez was a great guy, but he's a great guy as long as oil is a hundred dollars a barrel. But forty dollars a barrel, there's no uh, oil dependent socialist country that any longer has a, a hero that's a that's the president or whatever because they don't have the funds to give money away like they have in the past, and it leads to disruption. Right. Um, that, that that's the downfall of socialism. Every time, everywhere it's ever been tried. All right. The, the last one that I, I really want to make sure we have time for is the party stance on ending what what uh, what the Constitution Party calls domestic federal aid. I have to say, I freaking love that. How do we do it? I mean, that ending domestic federal aid upends everything about how our government has been operating for decades. So how do you go about doing that? Well, the first thing you do is eliminate uh, 5 million illegal immigrants and a lot of people coming in and offer 5 million people that are on welfare jobs that are capable of doing it. Uh, so, you know, as a practical matter, you're not going to be able to let people starve and millions of people move onto the streets and so forth. So you're going to have to find things that create opportunities for people. Uh, certainly, uh, we need a major infrastructure project and uh, that will employ a lot of Americans and underprivileged Americans. We need to stop illegal immigration, and we need, essentially, we need to find a way to stop. We need, first of all, stop lying to the American public that the unemployment rate is 4% or 6% or 10% or 12%, and recognize that the reason that they state it to be that low is there's so many people on welfare. And uh, as Reagan said, we need to measure our success, uh, not how many people are on welfare, but how few people need it. And uh, once you do that, then you can move toward the party platform goal of eliminating the welfare system. And uh, it can be done because 
you know, we didn't have it uh, when I was a kid, and we did quite well. Okay. Um, before we run out of time, want to make sure that anybody who's interested, anybody who wants to get any more information on the party or on you as a candidate can find you. And that is donblankenship.com or donblankenship2020.com. That's correct. Um, I yeah, first can, found you on Twitter. Yeah, you can Google me or uh, you know look at Twitter. You can find me about anywhere. I think uh, there's probably two million hits on Google, and despite the major media not uh, publicizing us, it's pretty easy on social media to find it, although I have been victimized by Facebook and so forth as well in terms of getting our message out. Yeah, I think anybody on the right side of the political aisle gets victimized all the time uh, by the social media giants, that is. Um, a couple of other things that, I mean, I still have topics written down. We'll see how many of them we can fit in in this last two minutes. Uh, the um, the, part, the official party stance is very against an Article 5 convention of states. And given that everything about the Constitution Party points back to the Constitution, why is the Article 5 Convention of States so opposed by the Constitution Party? The, the reason is, and of course I didn't draft that, it's been in place a long time, but uh, the assembly of uh, uh, leftists and the uh, media's uh, uh, behavior makes it dangerous that you're going to get worse instead of get better uh, as a practical matter. And uh, so there's a lot of fear uh, that until some of the other problems we've discussed today uh, are addressed that, you know, you could have a convention that leads to lessening of our rights instead of increasing of our rights. Okay. Well, my argument has always been, because I, I am a fan of the Convention of States Project. I think that's probably the most effective way of trying to get a hand out, handle on our government. And my argument has always been that anything that comes out of the convention that, that's crap, then it just won't get ratified by the 38 states it needs in order to get ratified. But I don't know. They ratified yeah. uh, you know, prohibition back a hundred years ago. We are yeah, down not... to, to uh, about 30 seconds left on anything you need to make sure that anything we missed that you want to throw in here for this last bit. Well, I think just a general thing that we've been talking about, you know, we've been electing Republican or Democrat for 170 years to the president's office and, probably going to do that again this time you know we don't have any misunderstanding of that but we've got to begin to have another choice we've got to have someone that that uh, is practical someone that uh, believes in uh, the law and someone that believes that the constitution that made us great to begin with is the only platform that'll make us great again absolutely until next week protect your liberties once they're gone there's no getting them back god bless america Thanks for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty-lighthouse.com to download Peter's free ebook from the file share page. And don't forget to call 64 my rights to leave comments for the show. That's 646-974-4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about Liberty Lighthouse. And wherever you listen, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. High capacity, fully automatic, large caliber, freedom. Mojo 5-0.